This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube stream worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on October 22, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. is written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at the 15th verse. Question about paying taxes. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. I know last uh, week Sue led you through us, uh, the scriptures, the, um, I think the epistle last Sunday. Every good thing we should be thinking of and doing and the gift of peace that comes by that. And you might wonder what does paying taxes, the question of church and state, what, what does that have to do with peace? Well, in fact, it's part of God's good plan. And so uh, I think we, as we uh, look at this passage and see how it's been interpreted and used in the church today and in the world, uh, that we might get a great appreciation for church, the role of church and state. Not necessarily the call for separation, because both are to serve the same thing, serve people. They are gifts of God to serve us all. And so our text recounts an encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees who were trying to trap him with a question about paying taxes to Caesar. And that has five significant aspects that many of that uh, Amanda mentioned. First of all, it was, it was a trap. It had to be a trap. The Pharisees and Herodians hoped that no matter how he answered, they could find a way to accuse him of either rebellion against Rome or disloyalty to the Jewish faith. You know, sometimes we get put in a situation of asking your opinion about a thing, you know that you're going to offend somebody, make friends with others, or it's a no-win situation if you want to keep the peace. Well, in this case, the other aspect of this uh, incident is Jesus' wisdom. He responded with great wisdom and discernment. He first asked to see a coin to pay the tax. 
used to pay the tax, which bore the image and inscription of Caesar. Now, it, the theme of images uh, goes through Scripture uh, many times. Of course, Jesus is the image of God. And in fact, all of creation is the image of God. And so when Jesus mentions about whose image is this, there might be all some, thought, some thoughts, well, we're the image of God, so we're to give everything we have to God. But here he's talking just about the tax. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And this response has effectively sidestepped that trap. Separation of church and state. Jesus' response is often interpreted as emphasizing the separation of religious and civic obligations. He acknowledges the necessity of paying taxes to the earthly authority while also upholding the duty to serve God. Give to God what belongs to God. This suggests that individuals have, a dual, have dual loyalties, and we do indeed, to their government and to their spiritual beliefs. And these loyalties should be balanced, not necessarily separate. And so this has uh, also been a lesson in hypocrisy because Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites for, trying, for their trying to trap him with a question. He saw through their... He saw through to their ulterior motives and he exposed their insincere, insincere intentions right from the start. But the end result of this encounter is amazement. Respect for Jesus, even by his enemies. It ends with people being amazed by Jesus' response as it demonstrates his wisdom and ability to navigate tricky situations. Oh, that we would all have such wisdom. But overall, Matthew 22, is a, this passage is a significant biblical passage that touches on the relationship between religious and secular authorities. He wasn't the first to question state interference with religious belief. Luther's two kingdoms and the priesthood of all believers doctrines have most significantly shaped constitutions of many modern Western governments relying on passages as the one we've just read. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And also from Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to governing authorities. Luther maintained that the Christian faith requires obedience to the state because government derives its authority from God. Even though we elect those officials in this country, others have found their way in, in, in charge of countries by their birthright and kingdoms. But even that has been a gift to the world by God. So he calls us to be obedient. But such obedience is not absolute because he also balances with Acts 5.29. We must obey God rather than men. As long as the state doesn't require Christians to violate God's word, they should obey. For whilst the role of the church is to proclaim the gospel by which people enjoy eternal life, the state is also appointed by God to promote good and punish evil in this life. If, we're, if evil in this life were un left unchecked by the laws of government, sin would turn earthly existence into a nightmare, disorder, chaos for us all. 
So this is a gift of God to actually bring peace, even though many governments and authorities and powers in this world choose to use their power to battle others and create war. So here we are, Christians, we live in two kingdoms. In one, they hear the gospel and experience the love of God in Christ. And in the other, they experience and obey the law. Indeed, because God has ordained political authority. And Christians can only obey, but they can also, not only just obey, but they can also honour, respect and pray for their rulers. And uphold the laws. Or be active in the political scene to improve the, the, um, the actions and the objects of our government. So God has instituted both church and state, but they have distinct purposes and ways of accomplishing their goals. That does not mean they have nothing to do with each other. They are both to serve people. For good order and the welfare of people, they interact with distinctive roles and responsibilities before God. For one thing, the church does its work here and now in the realm governed by the state, law and order, peace and prosperity. These are great blessings from God. And we, could, we should give God thanks for this country's government. Even though uh, at times, and perhaps this is why I feel this is an important message to focus on, we often resent government intrusion in our lives. We see that it that uh, it costs us every time we spend money, or yes, we spend money. That, um, Amanda, you didn't go as far as saying, well, actually some of that's lost. GST has been gone to the government in the process. The, um, we're not always happy the way that government money is spent. Or some of the rules that, uh, some of the laws that are brought in. And yet we are to obey and take yeah, and look for the role of, of good order and peace in our society. So we can thank God for our government, even if it's the government that we haven't elected. At the time of the Reformation, Lutherans depended on earthly rulers to defend the gospel. So there was a role for the state. They defended the gospel from those who wanted to suppress it by force. These same rulers presented the Augsburg Confession to the Emperor and established Lutheran churches in their territories. Many years later, Lutheran immigrants have arrived here in Australia. I don't know if they wore such elaborate hats. <laughs> because they treasure what they found here, a land in which they were free to preach, teach, and practice their faith without interference from political authorities. And this religious liberty has not only prevented church and state from working together has not, sorry, this religious liberty has not prevented church and state from working together in appropriate ways. The church has advanced its mission under this Westminster system here in Australia. Our church schools have, provided, have um, been established and provided by government funding. As Australia has become more multicultural, the, the government has preserved the right of religious freedom to include other faiths as it should. Many changes in morals and worldviews have resulted in some law changes that need to be challenged by the church, however. The church has sought legal protection of the unborn. It's spoken out on issues such as capital punishment and gambling, on marriage laws, 
on the treatment of asylum seekers, on the right to counsel people with gender issues, to break cycles of poverty and internment faced by indigenous and non-indigenous alike. So we can question our government and call them to, mock, you know, to, to the ethics that, they are, and that we believe in too, also, and to give everybody, if, if in Australian slang, a fair go. Churches, along with all faith communities and community groups, have had to comply with food handling, so we're, we also comply with the rules of the land. Food handling rules, health and safety, child safety and health regulations, as well as tax laws. These things we accept as matters of public safety, not imposed to harm faith communities, communities or restrict the gospel. They are for the benefit of people, for their safety. But however, in regard to some issues, the church must speak law as well as gospel in carrying out its mandate from God. So actually to criticise some of the decisions that are made is not being healthy for all people. That often means addressing public questions from the perspective of God's word. And such doctrinal and theological statements not only advise, um, so the church, our church, also speaks out, as many other churches do. We, we work together with other churches in, in um, appealing to the government in terms of changes in laws. And the, our, our LCANZ um, also makes theological and uh, doctrinal statements to inform not only its members but the wider public of moral, moral principles that should inform, inform public policy. Well, the government, our Australian government, is not its own master. It's accountable to its people, including the Christian component of society. Now, simply put, Luther's two kingdoms doctrine does not require rigid separation of church and state but neither institution should interfere with the unique responsibilities of the other. When each carries out its own divinely given purpose, it also supports the other's work. So we can rejoice many times in the, in the social welfare uh, activity of our government. And I'm sure the government also recognises the work of the church too, as it often... as 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 many cases many times when we in Australian Lutheran World Service is raising funds for overseas uh, mission and refugee projects, the government often matches the giving from our people, and sometimes triples it even. Now the other doctrine that I mentioned in Luther that Luther shared with us and has been used by uh, many uh, governments to form their constitutions, maybe the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. It's also played an important part in the Reformation. The state at that time was controlled by the Catholic Church. It was pretty well indistinguishable church and state in many countries in Europe at that time. And the Catholic Church retains those many hierarchical lines of authority proclaiming what Catholics are to believe and do. By contrast to papal authority, Lutherans hold to a principle of standing under and on the authority of Scripture. That any individual can challenge false teaching and has the right to challenge papal authority and tradition where it is in error. 
Before the might of Rome, Luther claimed the freedom of conscience. Here I stand. I can do none other. He spoke this fearing for his own life, but also conscience-bound not to deny the teachings of Christ and the truths of Scripture, which were contained in the writings that he would be called to reject. Now, Lutherans have developed a shared governance as congregations and convention of synod under the authority of Scripture summarized by the Lutheran confessions. Individual members are encouraged to read the Scriptures and to study and discuss the doctrinal teachings and confessions in the church in light of God's Word. Now, being part of God's family brings individual freedoms and responsibility. Parents are encouraged to be the bishops of the home with responsibility for the scriptural and moral teaching and discipline there in their home. Church leaders have a responsibility to engage the political issues and laws of the day and rightly have presented information for members to consider and make informed decisions in regards to things like voting and the recent reformation. Ref- referendum, beg your pardon. <laughs> I've got reformation on my mind. I'm, I'm here next week. Mm. Make a great pop song. I've got reformation on my mind. <laughs> yes. Yes, the church gave some statements on voting in the referendum. But it did not say you must vote this way. And I greatly appreciate that, appreciate that our LCA and Z leaders avoid telling congregations and its individual members what to do or how to vote. They respect our freedom and hold, to hold different opinions whilst also encouraging us to live and work together in peace. Now, LCA and Z church leaders are also called and elected to keep congregations accountable. So they are a, a shared... We, we have them... We elect them as agreed authority within our, within our church, but of course are under the Constitution, which uh, outlines the role of Scripture and the confessions. They expect pastors, leaders, and members to comply with their responsibilities under the law of the land, as well as the law of God, in avoiding blasphemy and the use, misuse of the means of grace. So there's some of the headings of some of the uh, lines of the Constitution. It starts there. The church acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Lord and head of all, and he is the the, um, source of all power and authority exercised by the church, which must be governed by his will as revealed in his word. So we we constantly assess the way that we work together and the authority within the church to the scriptures and not acknowledging Christ's authority in our midst. But the church consists of congregations voluntarily joined together to establish a wider fellowship in the faith. We agree to work together in synod, even though we might have different opinions about certain aspects of the mission of the church. The church, in accordance with the provisions of the Constitution, shall have power and authority to make rules and regulations for the administration of, of its affairs. It's a great... It's, it's, it's a publicly available statement on the website of the LCANZ, and I encourage you to see, uh, to have a look at the Constitution, not only the Constitution of this congregation, which would fit in with that, but also the way that our leaders 
uh, uh, to, to call us to live as lights in the world and to live at peace with one another. So let's, in summary, let's give thanks to God for what he has provided us with the roles of church and state. Let's strive for greater understanding and appreciation for the way these authorities work together. May we have greater wisdom. Wisdom to accept as Jesus taught the gift of God's rule over us through his eternal kingdom and the kingdom of worldly government. Beyond the laws of the land which aim for good order and preventing harm, God calls us to love our neighbour as ourself and to live as people of the, of the light. Against these things there are no laws. So, let's celebrate and give thanks to God. Let's render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, gladly, knowing that we also are obeying God in that, and render unto God the greater things, the greater things, the things that will last, the eternal things, the things that bring us eternal peace. And the peace of God that, will part, that part passes all human understanding will keep, indeed, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, regardless of the government or the places we find ourselves in the world. His kingdom is eternal, and you are members of that kingdom. Thanks be to God. Spirit of God, fly like a dove.